It's your week, your sports, the new Clarksville Now podcast. I'm John Glass, along with Jeff Matthews and Christian Brown. All right, your week, your sports. It's John Glass. Welcome back for another week of some local Austin P high school and national local news. Hanging out here with my good buddies, Jeff Matthews and Christian Brown uh, from Clarksville. Now we got some awesome stuff on today's show, uh, tucking, uh, touching on some of the fun high school stuff that happened. We got the charity softball game that happened hosted by Northwest and Clarksville high. Uh, we get into the Donnie Everett classic moving on over. We have a really fun interview with uh, women's head golf coach, Jessica Combs. They got the a sun championship coming up. Talk on Brittany Young's extension. And then we get into some national news. Nate land. We signing a new, deal and then big jeff simmons of the titans signing a giant deal boys how are we feeling yeah uh, i'm feeling really great there's been so much sports going on in the news and that's in national national sports and local sports i mean there is just a handful of things that are moving and i'm really excited to talk about some of the local stuff that's been going on christian i know you've been working on a lot of it yeah so a lot of meaningful powerful things going on around here especially let's just start out with the charity game let's oh, just yeah. dive right into it so Northwest hosted Clarksville High for a breast cancer awareness game that raised donations for the YMCA Breast Cancer Awareness Program. So uh, this is something Blake Lyons of Northwest has been working on for a while, and he went directly to Brian Rush to kind of work things out. So just to state this real quick, they uh, announced a $1,000 had been donated to the YMCA. So it turned out to be a great, great event. That's awesome, too. And it was a kind of a one-sided contest uh, in favor of Clarksville High, winning 18 to nothing against Northwest. But a lot of cool stuff happened, you know, pregame. They had some really interesting, nice stuff. You know, how Major League Baseball does their stand-up to cancer event and uh, during the All-Star Games. They kind of did something very similar to it, uh, Jeff. Yeah, they did. They uh, So to start things off, they did not have a first pitch thrown. What that was is it was reserved for a moment of silence taken to kind of remember those who have passed away that have been battling cancer and how they did that was they put the game ball on the mound in the in the circle and then they also put the catcher's mitt on home plate and they observed the moment of silence and during that time a video montage was shown on the uh, big screen of pretty much uh, most of the people that were in the stadium in the stands uh, were given a card and they kind of wrote somebody's name on it who they know is is currently battling or has passed away from battling cancer and then that's how they kind of had that moment of remembrance of these people who in our lives were kind of taken away from us a little too soon. Yeah. And you know, I, it's not the old saying, but you know, everybody has been affected in some way uh, through cancer, especially breast cancer, whether it be a mother, a grandmother, yes. um, a friend, aunt, it, uncle. it's very, it's a very, it's a very large issue in America and in the world really. And so it's a very nice thing to see, especially local high school students. You know, a lot of these girls know people who have had that. And it is a huge moment to kind of talk to some of the younger generation. I think that is one way that you can kind of speak to them is, um, putting that awareness out and being able to raise money for a program that's going to directly affect people who are involved with that is huge. And I think it's a really cool thing that, uh, Clarksville has done, especially with this softball game. You know, and Blake Lyons uh, spoke with me directly this morning about how he was affected. So I guess his sister actually had bone marrow cancer. Oh, yeah. And he was actually the one that donated his bone marrow to her. 
Awesome. So he'd ended up saving her life. So she's living today healthy. And she was only given three years to live in 2002. Wow. So she's defied odds. And he talked about how that's his miracle. And, you know, and that's that's the beauty of sports right there. You know what I mean? Like, it brings everybody together. Because like you said, John, everyone has been affected in some way or another. Brings out the humanity and, you know, just the helping hand that, you know, we like to show, especially in this community, very tight-knit. doesn't matter how big Clarksville is going to get. Um, it's always that small town feel. Everybody knows everybody and everyone's always willing to uh, have a helping hand. But it was a really fun, cool event. Again, Clarksville High did get the win in a uh, pretty good fashion. Uh, and hopefully this is something that's going to be, you know, annually year to come. Now, Blake Lines did mention uh, Clarksville High and Northwest have discussed um, making this an annual thing. Yeah. I think they will put on something next year as well. Keep it going. Absolutely. The bigger, the better. Now, that's not the only thing that was going on in high school sports. On the baseball side of things, there was a huge tournament that went on with 22 teams kind of around our area, kind of up into Kentucky as well as Tennessee, and then Ohio, actually. They had a few teams coming out, and they were here for the Donnie Everett uh, kind of remembrance tournament, and that was a really cool experience because you had all these teams coming together and remembering this one player from Clarksville High who unfortunately passed away way too soon from us, was not from cancer. It was from a tragic boating accident um, a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah, no, Donnie Everett was an absolutely spectacular, not just pitcher, but kid, human, you know, friend, son. Um, One of my old high school coaches, um, Forney Abbott, he was – his pitching coach back in high school and, you know, Forney always had the best of things to say about Donnie and, um, yeah, no, the Donnie Everett classic really brings together all of the good things that Donnie represented and, you know, uh, 22 teams all from Tennessee, Kentucky and Ohio. And the three teams that hosted went three, and zero: Rossview, Clarksville high and Clarksville Academy, right? Christian. Yes, sir. Then, uh, Northeast also competed in the tournament. They, they went one and two during play. Uh, they lost the first two games they've played, but also they ended up, uh, winning their last game of the tournament. So they finished the tournament on a high note, you know, and you know, you love seeing all these competitive teams in our County. You know, I think baseball is such an underrated sport throughout Clarksville period. You know, and uh, I was talking to Brian Hetland, and I think it's the first time possibly ever he mentioned that Clarksville High is ranked top five in their polls, Clarksville Academy top five, then also Rossview top 10. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how those polls actually look. But also, I just want to talk on Donnie a little bit and his background. For sure. Uh, just for those that don't know just how awesome he was at Clarksville High. So he was 2015 Gatorade Tennessee Player of the Year. Then he was named to the Perfect Game All-American team in 2015 as well. Um, His play uh, got him noticed by professional organizations at the MLB level. Uh, Scouts, general managers, and president of uh, operations actually attended Clarksville High games when Donnie attended school. Uh, But instead of going the professional route where he could have been a first-round pick, he did end up going to Vanderbilt University, and that's where he he did meet his demise, sadly, and he did tra- pass away in a drowning accident. Yeah, it's incredibly unfortunate. One of Clarksville's best, great kid, great talent. Um, unfortunately, just you know, gone too soon. Um, moved on a little bit. We got a big extension in the college realm. Miss Brittany Young, she got an extension through the 2027-2028 season. 
Her record at Austin P. Best for a second-year coach, thirty-seven and twenty-five this year. Went seventeen and thirteen, and their girls like that record. Honestly, seventeen and thirteen from this year does not speak volumes. They were uberly competitive throughout the entire season. Easily could have had twenty plus wins. Oh, they made games very interesting. That's for sure. Austin P. Women's the women's team. Before Coach Brittany Young, we talk about they were best known for their defensive play. Now you have Brittany Young coming in, and she has a lot of success. But really what we've seen is she's strong on the offensive side of things. She loves to play this ball aggressively. She's really earned that contract extension, taking these gums to back-to-back semifinal appearances. Huge for the Austin P. Governor's program. And I think she's going to do really well in the coming years for Austin P., especially after a couple, maybe really after this next season of uh, of recruitment. We may see an Austin P. run for the ASUN title. Oh, absolutely. And you know what you were saying, Jeff, about, you know, that solid defensive core that uh, Coach David Midlick did leave to Brittany Young. Loved David Midlick. Great coach. Very much. Um, and uh, yeah, she came in. She, not without a hitch, just started getting going. And then you see it in the record. You see it in the success. And I'm excited to see what happens. Well, and that's not to say that she didn't change some things. There was a lot of roster moves that happened after Brittany Young came to Austin yeah. P. Changing things up a little bit. And like I said, you don't. I mean, they are a strong defensive team. Austin P. currently is. Yeah. But I mean, David Midlick had a full court press that mm-hmm. not many people could take away from he had his girls going he did but Brittany Young coming into this program her first year had some success as well I mean 37 and 12 is the overall record I'm not 100% sure on what her first year record was 17 and 13 oh, so, no that was this year 17 and 13 was this 17 year. and 13 was this year's I mean that is an incredible record just from after uh, uh, one season of being with this team and then changing the way that she wants it to look, making some adjustments for her side of things. I mean, she has done very well for the governors. And just to point this out too, she is the first coach in program history to lead uh, APSU to back-to-back semifinal appearances in the conference tournament. Which almost sounds insane of a stat. mm -hmm, I mean, that goes back to what we were talking about with David Midlick. I mean, that was a strong defensive team for, Really, all of Midlick's tenure, he, tenure at Austin P. Um, but it, it's true, though. I mean, Brittany Young took him to back-to-back semifinals, and that comes from the offense that Brittany Young has brought. I think it grew slowly over a little bit, yes. over the past season too. And you know, when you saw in conference play, they really picked it up, especially at the beginning of it. And you know, I think teams noticed they were like, "This is the team you're going to have to deal with and get through to get to the conference championship." and this past postseason. Yeah, and I think I think that absolutely embodies kind of what Austin P, not just in women's basketball, but in all of their sports, what they are doing, just elevating to that next level, which, you know, is kind of what we're going to be talking about with head women's golf coach Jessica Combs and how she has elevated that golf team. Uh, we're going to do that coming up here in a few minutes. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. All right, your week, your sports here with Jessica Combs, the Austin P. women's golf coach, hanging out with Mr. Jeff Matthews as well. Guys, how are we feeling? Feeling good. How are you guys feeling? Doing fantastic. Thanks, John. So we got the A-Sun women's golf tournament coming up next week. How's it looking? It's looking great. The weather's going to be perfect. I made our itinerary today. We'll leave Friday, practice around Saturday. Got three rounds of 18 Sunday through Tuesday. It's going to yeah. be great. So are y'all bussing or flying? So we have our own travel van. So we'll, oh, yeah? we'll be rolling up in style. Yep. There you go. Hopping out of the van. Captain's chairs. Good to go. 
Please tell me there's a big gov head on the side of the van. There is a great graphic on Heck the side of the yes. van. Oh, yeah. So who controls the aux cord going on that van? So all yeah. the girls kind of sit in the back, and they control their own aux cord. Everybody <laughs> throws their headphones in, whatever they want to listen to. My assistant coach and I swap back and forth, but we pretty much listen to the same thing, so it's good. There you go. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's down at Hampton Cove in uh, Georgia. Alabama. Alabama. Yep. Georgia, Alabama. <laughs> it's right down, down, south. down south. south. South somewhere. So... Now, you, have you played this course before? I have. So I played it a couple times when I was a student athlete at Austin P. Um, our conference championship was held there for a couple years. And then we were there for the OVC championship just a few years ago. Um, we played it once earlier this spring. So all the girls have played it at this point, and it's it's going to be fun. Difficult course? It can be, yeah. Especially, yeah. like I said earlier, with some of the wind. Um, there's some water out there. But I tend to just have them focus on where we want to hit it, not where we don't want to hit it. Yeah, I was checking it out. It's apparently it's on like a uh, a soybean floodplain or something like that. It's built on a floodplain, apparently. News to me, yeah. but yeah, there's a there's a barn on hole five, yeah. so that's kind of a fun obstacle to avoid. Just sitting um, in the middle of the course, yeah, it's a big red yeah, barn. just just right off the side of the fairway. I love that. Yep, it's great, nice. nice little landmark. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's going to be fun. It's going to cap off a really incredible season too. Like. For instance, your y'all's worst finish this year was seventh place at the Lady Red Wolves Classic. Uh, four top, four, uh, four first place finishes. Um, Butler Fall Invitational, Charles Braun Intercollegiate, Bobby Nichols Intercollegiate, and then the most recent, the Colonel Classic. Uh, just a lot of success, especially from you know starting off in 2019, going in that 2020 season, and then COVID, uh, the craziness going into the 2021 season. Yeah. So how are you feeling about your girls going in here? Focused, ready? Feeling great. You know, it's it's taken a few years to get the right players on the team. And mm-hmm. the, over the last several years, we've really done that. We focused on girls that who want to be here, who are driven, who are dedicated. And I think that you can see that from the success we've had the last several years that the right girls are on the right team. And um, just to touch on that seventh place finish yeah. in the fall, we actually, um, it was our, I think our toughest um, competition that we saw and we still I think shot our um, third best score team wise in program history so it was still a solid tournament even though it was seventh out of 14 teams I was about to say split the field yeah. and it was still an outstanding yeah. performance by the governors yeah I mean seven out of 14 like if that's your worst finish I oh mean, yeah personally for me going low is like if I can crack 100 so. <laughs> hey most golfers will never do that so if you break 100 you're doing pretty good see look John I told you you're yeah. fine. Yeah. What are, you, what are you shooting, Jeff? I'm shooting higher 80s right now. So that's I, solid. I'm proud of myself. Yeah. I, I finally broke 87. Oh man, I did it in November last year. And haven't been haven't been back yet. So. Time to get back out there then. Uh, easy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> It'll probably go back to 100 real quick. Um, but we we talk about your success, and you've had success a lot in the golf game. I mean, two state championships at Saudi Daisy in high school, and then an incredible career at Austin P as a player. Can you, real quick, I want to talk about that transition of going from a player at Austin P into that coaching role. Yeah. So it's coaching is honestly never something that I saw myself doing or getting into. Um, the opportunity presented itself a few years after I graduated. Um, I thought it sounded extremely fun to be able to coach at my alma mater. 
And it's been a dream come true. I absolutely love coaching. I love the relationships that I can build with the players, getting to travel a little bit, be on the golf course every day. Who wouldn't want that? And it sounds incredible (laughs) just to be on a golf course every single day. Um, Taking a look at some of the early years. So you became head coach in uh, 2019. So you had that first fall season. You had a few top 10 finishes. You had uh, had gotten second place in the APSU intercollegiate, had some success at the Ben Bow Invitational. Then as John was talking about that 2021 season, really weird season. You guys had three tournaments, one match play as well, finished sixth in the OVC. Then you start seeing that fruition of your coaching style coming into that 2021-2022 season where you had the six to, uh, six top finishes, fourth uh, at the APSU Intercollegiate, first in the Butler Fall, first in Town and Country, third in the Diane Daughtry, third in Jan Weaver, and then um, win the OVC tournament, head to the NCAA tournament. Can you talk about a little bit of your coaching philosophy and some of the things that you try to reiterate for some of these girls as they go into each tournament? Yeah, absolutely. So a little bit on the coaching philosophy is my biggest, um, I think, asset is my communication style. Um, I love to just be open and honest with my girls. You know what I'm thinking. I want to hear what they're thinking. Um, I just think that that makes for a solid relationship between player and coach. Um, I always know that, you know, if I need to be straightforward and up and honest with them, they're going to give me that in return. Um, So when it comes to, you know, our dynamic on the golf course, same kind of thing. You know, we can banter back and forth. Ultimately, it's going to be their decision on what club they hit and how successful they are. But I'm going to back them and just try to give them the confidence they need to hit that shot. Absolutely. You know, it's it can get stressful. I get I lose my temper a little bit too much on the golf course (laughs) sometimes, whether it be down the river club or uh, Eastland or anywhere around here. I always find myself somewhere near water or in the trees at least a handful of times. So yeah, keeping, keeping a level head, knowing what clubs to hit and then, you know, giving them freedom. That's seems like a pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, another thing that we talk about basically every day at practice or getting ready for a tournament um, is focusing on, you know, the things that you can control. You can't control what your opponents are shooting. You can control if you hit the fairway or not. Mm -hmm. Um, You can't control your lie in the fairway. You know, you might be in a divot. So just be focused and ready to hit whatever shot that you need to um, and then, you know, bounce bounce back off of that into a next good shot. You talked about... The weather. Weather changes pretty much everywhere you go, uh, especially if you're going to play different courses in Tennessee. It seems like that weather is going to change pretty within the hour. Um, you guys recently had a tournament first time in Florida for the year. Is that correct? Yes. So can you talk if you guys had and did you guys have any issues going into that with weather or any kind of um, things that you were worried about might happen? Yeah. So the Florida weather, I can't complain about one bit. Um, we had a fog delay the last morning, but, you know, that that cleared up and we we finished the round off pretty good. Um, but this, the tournament before that, we were in Sevierville, and we were literally hitting golf balls while it was snowing on us. Oh, gosh. It was freezing. It had rained constantly, um, started snowing on us. So, you never, like you said, you never know what you're going to get with Tennessee weather, but I couldn't complain about the Florida weather. Florida. That's the best golf I've ever played. Actually, that's not true. My best golf was played in Hilton Head Island. Uh, but yeah. So y'all have got to play all those fun courses. I'm stuck around here. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Hey, shout out to all the golf courses in the area. No, they're so good to us. River Club, Swan Lake, Clarksville Country Club. They're so good. Oh, absolutely. No, I used, used to work at River Club and yeah. it was, it was a lot of fun to work at a golf course, helping build the golf course. But man, those greens can be tough sometimes. <laughs> they, they all have their ups and downs wherever you go. So 
Do you feel like I feel like in most sports there's a there's a portion of it that's uh field control. A lot of football players they take care of their fields in some capacity. Softball definitely, baseball definitely. Is there is there any time that golfers have to kind of keep an eye on the field as far as maintaining goes? Yeah, so we try to, you know, leave the course better than what we found it. If we're out there chipping at the River Club or the Country Club, we're like Swan Lake, um, you know, fixing your divots, putting your, uh, whether it's on the green or in the fairway, raking the bunkers, leaving the rakes where they're supposed to be, just trying to do better than, you know, what you found it, so... And then uh, kind of going back into the preparation for this ASUN tournament, you talked about a practice round coming up on Saturday. What are some things that you're hoping to see out of that practice round? Yeah, so we actually played this course earlier this spring. Um, I think the the course is going to play a little bit differently than it did, uh, just because the greens are going to be a little bit quicker. Fairways are going to be a little more grown in. Um, So I'd like to see us take the mistakes that we made earlier this spring and kind of correct those. Um, Our first round this spring was at Hampton Cove and we, we did not play our best. I think that was our worst round this spring. Um, Our second and third round, we had a great turnaround. The girls played exactly how they needed to. Um, And so I'm hoping to see a little bit more like that second and third round score and then maybe improve a little bit on our putting as well. I think our putting has hurt us a little bit this spring. We've had one too many three putts, a couple of four putts. Um, Definitely you don't want to see that. But hopefully that we can get the speed of the greens down um, on that practice round day going into Sunday. So, again, this kind of goes back to the coaching style that you have. What are... I mean, when you're when you see players that are ending up having those three putts, four putts, I mean, do you try to address those? I mean, in tournament, or is that something that you kind of address um, after tournament, kind of as in like, hey, next time you're out, this is what we need to be looking at? Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, you know, if it's early in the round and speed is something that they're struggling with, you know, I think you have to try to fix it in the moment so that you don't keep three putting. Right. Um, but the biggest thing that they can do is just tell them to stay patient. Um, you know, putts are going to fall like you're a good putter. You can do this. Preach confidence to them. Um, and then at the end of the round, you know, there is usually a little bit of time for us to practice afterwards um, and just work on getting that speed down for the next day. Yeah. And I know it, every golfer is different. Every golfer has their own mentality, kind of psyche, how they go out on the course. So, you know, as a coach, I'm sure it's not tough, but I'm sure, you know, trying to tailor to each player, kind of like, hey, figure out how you get whether to calm down or just let them be, you know playing baseball growing up a lot it was each player had their own individual type thing and each player has to be coached pretty specifically on okay i know i need to really not get on to them but really kind of hey got to do this got to do that and then some players just got to be left alone is that kind of how your coaching style is going with your girls during tournaments a thousand percent like you hit the nail right on the head each girl has um their own coaching style, which they need. And honestly, it can kind of change day to day. You know, <laughs> what works one day for one girl is not going to work the next day for that same girl. Um, so it is kind of a puzzle once you get out there to see how, how if you need to step in or if you do need to give that girl some space. Um, and it's, you know, I've made mistakes out there doing that. I've stayed a little bit too longer for a couple holes on with somebody who's struggling um, when I probably should have just left them alone. Um, or vice versa. You know, it's it's part of just having some coaching intuition. Um, but then, like I talked about the communication style, the girls know that, you know, if they need a second, they can look at me and be like, hey, coach, give me some space. I'm good, but I need to figure this out on my own. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. And you were talking earlier about recruit, kind of recruiting a little bit, and, you know, getting the girls in that want to be here. And give me a little insight on how women's golf recruiting for you kind of is like, are you recruiting 
local, more regionally, locally? Like, what are you looking for when you're looking for girls like that? Do you have good relationships with the high school coaches and, you know, trying to meeting the girls and all that stuff? Yeah, so I'm open to a girl coming from wherever. We've got two freshmen coming in this fall. One's from Washington State, one's from Texas. So it's kind of just, you know, talking about I want girls who want to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, I I like to talk to the girls that reach out to me. Um, social media is a huge aspect of recruiting these days. Um, you know, I'm going to look at your profile. If there's a red flag on there, probably not getting reached out to. Um, but I, I think that we've done a good job the last few years of putting Austin P on the map. Yeah. You know, I think that we, we were just, you know, back in the day, maybe a mid major that, you know, you could come play at, or it could be a backup option. Um, now that I'm seeing the success that we're seeing, you know, girls are wanting to come be a part of this program. They're wanting to come to Austin P to become better and to see even more success. They want to be a part of it. And so I I think it's really fun to be able to talk to the girls who, who know your background, who know that you've had success and they say, coach, I want to be a part of that. I mean, yeah. Competing for championships, OVC tournament last year, first place this year, you top last year's first place finishes. And then going into this ASUN tournament, it's going to be a fun one. It should be a great time. I'm I'm definitely excited to see how you guys do. But you talked about some of the girls that want to be here. One girl that I've noticed that has come up constantly in uh, your match reports, Taylor Deadman. She has been at the top the past couple of tournaments, playing very well. Do you have any high expectations for her going to the ASUN? I mean, I think Taylor sets her own expectations. She is somebody who... Um, doesn't settle for anything less than, you know, first place. You know, she could have had um, a solid first place finish at this last Colonel Classic that we were at. Um, Just didn't play as well as she needed to coming down the stretch. And she'll be the first to tell you, like, Coach, I made some mistakes, but it's not going to happen again. Um, I know that she's going to work her tail off this week going into her last last conference championship, first A-Sun championship, but... Last one. She's a fifth-year senior. Um, I can't talk too much about her because I'm going to start tearing up, and mm. she's made such an impact on this program. I'm, I'm so proud of her. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, going back a little bit for you, you know, what? how are you expecting everything going down there? Are you excited are you nervous anything like that like what's your your mentality going? i think we're all pumped we're, we're all pumped up at this point you know we're ready yeah. to get there we're ready to get it going um i think that it's going to be a fun time i think that you know whether the outcome is you know a first second third fourth place whatever it is we're going to learn from it um especially with it being our first year in the asun we'll be able to compete against some schools that we don't normally see um, and I think that no matter what the outcome is, we're going to be able to leave there with our heads held high and just expecting to do better the next year, whatever that is. What's your, what you all's go to? I, I got to ask because every time I played tournament travel, whether it be travel ball, high school, anything like that, we always had go to food stops. Yeah. Y'all have a go to food stop for Austin Peak Women's School. I'd say, I mean, Chick-fil-A is always a solid, (laughs) Chick-fil-A is always a solid option for, for dinner, um, any kind of Mexican restaurant, you know, give us some chicken, cheese and rice and we're good to go. go to the easiest. It was fun. We thank you for coming in. Yeah. Thanks for uh, having me. Best of luck on the A-Sun championship tournament. Hopefully you can bring home a little trophy back to Austin P. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Awesome. So, For John Glass, for Jessica Coombs and Jeff Matthews, this is Your Week, Your Sports.
All right, we're back. Big thank you to Jessica Combs for that awesome interview with me and Jeff. Uh, a lot of fun stuff going on for there. Such an op- such a great opportunity to have her in the studio. Very nice of her to come in and spend some crazy time with us here on the yeah, mics. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, and then going down there uh, to Alabama trying to get that A-Sun championship. Hey, I think they're going to do absolutely spectacular. They, they've been playing great all year. I'm very excited to see their performance and how they do this season with the A-Sun. First A-Sun conference tournament. So I think it's going to be really cool. I'm Like I said, I'm super excited to see the results for that one. Yeah, and like we were saying before the break, just just dominating, really stepping that level up in Austin P sports. We're seeing it at all levels: basketball, football, baseball, uh, soccer. Austin P sports is on the rise, man. Austin P sports are on the rise. I mean, also look at I mean, contract extension for Scotty Walden was just yeah. given as well. New head basketball coach quickly after firing the other one. I mean, Corey, Austin, Gibson. Corey Gibson is now with the Austin P governor. It's huge right now for the Austin P governors. Definitely going to be a team in all sports categories to watch. Oh, yeah. A lot of fun stuff happening uh, in Austin P sports. Moving on. Let's get into the national news, boys. We had some big, big developing stuff with our favorite fighter from Clarksville, Tennessee. Mr. Nate Landwehr signed a four-fight deal with the UFC. That's a pretty standard deal. He actually had a very, a longer deal for his uh, most recent contract. It was six fights, I believe. Yes. Uh, so I think he – did he have one more on that left? I think he had one more. I'm not positive. Uh, I, think, I think he had one more left, so he still has one more under his current contract. Yeah. But then the next contract will kick in. I'm assuming would kick in after this year. Correct. So it would be the 2024. 20, yeah. Would be the start of his new contract. Or or whenever that last fight ends, I believe right. how it goes is that new contract takes takes place. So like okay. if he does want to fight another time, maybe in like November or December. Uh, and speaking of. Fighting coming up, he's ready to get right back on the horse. UFC 289, there's rumors around that him and Dan Ige uh, are possibly in for a bout coming up in June. So, I mean, he didn't take a lot of damage on this last fight, but, man, turn right back around after making weight, doing camp. Well, I think... Go this ahead, is Christian. all speculation at this point. Yeah. So that, according to MMA Junkie of USA Today, that that's what was reported. So it's going to be interesting to see what comes to light once UFC actually reports on it. But uh, just a little bit about Ige. He currently has an MMA record of 16-6. and six. Meanwhile, his UFC record stands at 8-5. and five. So this is a little bit more of an established fighter compared to Austin Linga, who was his last opponent and who he dominated. So it's going to be interesting to see what his take is on Dan Ige and how he'll compete against him. Did we ever find out if Landwehr made it into that 15th spot? In the rankings, I I, I'm not sure we, we because his first that. fight was supposed to be with Alex Caceres. Yeah. Alex Caceres, and that fight has number fifteen, and he was ranked number fifteen. Now that fight has not happened yet, no. and that's the fighter that I really expected Landwehr to have next because I think Landwehr really wanted that fight. Well, they don't know, you know, you don't know what's going on with Caceres. You don't know right. if there's... well, and he dropped out for unknown reasons. Is yeah. that still correct? Yes, sir. So you're right. We don't know what he's going through. Maybe there is a real reason that he's not being able to fight, but um. I'm sure Ige, he's not ranked. Well, he is. He's ranked 13th, so this may play to Nate Landwehr's favor a little bit more than Caceres even because, you know, he's even higher up on that ranking. So he could make quite a big leap, you know. Well, after a fight against Lingo, getting that win, and then now, I mean, Caceres passing up on the fight for X amount of reasons. You're right. Coming into another fight, going up against number 13th ranked, I think that that definitely earns him at least a spot in the top 15. Well, I mean, you look at some of it. 
some of his past bouts. Like he's shown he's not just that stand up brawler that everybody knew him from in Russia. He is getting those subs. He is you gotta watch out for that too. Like Nate is turning into a beautiful, beautiful fighter. Not that he already wasn't, but just killing it. And the thing about it is he stuns his opponent with his boxing, then he goes to the submission moves. And that's really what set up the Austin Lingo rear naked choke. Oh yeah, no, he just started, what was it? He said his sucker punch, sucker, rear naked choke. Yep, yep, sucker punch, rear naked Which I feel choke. like now looking back at it was kind of a shout out to his sucker punch, uh, his group that he's Which, with. Which, uh, so let's, I want to find the specific name. Sucker Punch Entertainment negotiated his latest deal for on his behalf. So uh, Sucker Punch Entertainment got those additional four fights on his contract. Yeah, I'm pumped. He didn't take a ton of damage in this, so I would definitely see why he would want to start fighting back in June. Yeah, I think after that, after that last fight, you us three kind of did mention off off uh, microphones. We we were kind of trying to speculate when that next fight was going to be, and I think we all kind of came to the agreement it was going to be with two three months, four months within the next with going to see this next fight. And now, what are we almost three weeks past his last fight, and uh, we are going to see one in two months? Yeah, because you know it's trying to set up. Most fighters will try. I think their goal. Most fighters are trying to get three if. Everything goes right. They'll try to get three fights throughout the year, but man, like he had Nate had some bad luck with fights getting canceled and everything like that. But and that's going to be hard on a fighter, especially if you're training for a you're, fight you're and cutting then, weight. You're going yeah. to camp, and if people don't, if you, if you don't know what cutting weight is like, it's not it's not fun at all. It's it can be brutal. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's going to be a lot of fun to see. Hopefully, he can can get to fight in June. Get up in those rankings and start moving up in that division. Now he did uh, give props to Clarksville, Tennessee, as well. He, you know, he said in a conversation with Clarksville. Now, also, I'm very honored and privileged to represent Clarksville globally in the highest level of combat sports because he is just so humble when it comes to representing Clarksville, hometown kid. You know, that's just separates some talent because I just have so much respect for Nate. I think it's cool because it's a sport you just don't see a lot of people coming out of an area for. Um, Clarksville has had numerous amount of people go to the major leagues. We've had a few people make it to uh, the NBA. Shout out to uh, Terry Taylor, who's sitting up in Chicago right now. But, I mean, you don't hear of a lot of people making it to the UFC. You don't hear a lot of people making it to the high-end fights of MMA. So I think that adds a lot of coolness factor to it and being from Clarksville. It's also really cool that we have somebody out there who is, you know, wanting to cheer on Clarksville, wanting to shout us out, wanting to, you know, let people know where he's from, let him know where the hometown is. Shout out Ross Few High. Heck, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I think it's really bringing a lot more of the MMA, mixed martial arts, jiu-jitsu community to Clarksville. You know, back in the day, we had SSF, right. we had a couple of gyms and stuff like that. But now you're seeing like a Gracie gym. Really, really cool stuff. Super excited to see what happens with Nate. And then, uh, you know, wrapping it up, let's talk about big stuff. The big Jeff contract going on uh, for the Tennessee Titans. This was this. I'm was really gonna... excited. Uh, to sign? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, I was going to no, no, say, not is Jeff, Jeff signing? Big Jeff Cinnamons, defensive lineman for the Tennessee Titans, agreed to terms on a monster four-year extension uh, worth $94 million, reported first by Ian Rappaport at Rap Sheet on Twitter. Uh, $23 million per year based on new money. 
a lot of stuff. He's going to get $66 million guaranteed, including a $24 million signing bonus to help him out with that cap space. Uh, in all, he's under contract for about $104.75 million over five years, that fifth year being that fifth-year option, making him one of the highest-paid defensive linemen definitely, in the league. He's definitely earned it, man. And you look you look at the whole body of work. You know, He's one of the most disruptive interior defensive linemen in the league. And it's not just because he's being able to get past blockers and, you know, 21 career sacks. That's amazing. But it's the other things, the way he disrupts passes. He has 19 career passes deflected, five from 2020, six from 2021, and seven from this past year. So he's getting it done no matter, by any means necessary. I mean, it's definitely helping the Titans out too, especially, you know, getting to, getting that pass rush in on the inside, helping that secondary that at times has been a little bit shaky with the Tennessee Titans, let's be honest. Um, but yeah, they that was a big discussion through the offseason. They were trying to figure out whether they could pay Big Jeff, obviously, with what's going on with Tannehill, trying to figure out where that's going to go, and then the draft, too. Well, you know, and he talked about getting a deal done. I think there was a moment where Simmons didn't think he was going to get a contract because he had tweeted out a tweet that was a little cryptic. It was kind of like... I think what everybody kind of thought when they saw it was it was like a good buy post to Nashville. And some people were a little worried about it, but then it seemed like almost a day later that tweet was deleted and then it was announced that he was signing. You know, I think part of that, I think a lot of players do that as like a little chess move. Like you got to keep the organization honest for... That's a bold chess move. It is, but you know, they have to see your worth. And when you look at the Titans defense, there's not a, a lot of you know, stable stabilization. You know, you got Kevin Byard on the back end. Yeah. Jeffrey Simmons is that huge piece on that defense, though. And he's young. Exactly right. 26 years old, maybe 27 right Look, now. Look, KB's not going to be there forever. He, I think he's going on 31. Yeah, 31 years but old. But he's still one of the best safeties in the league. At the same time, you need that centerpiece. And, you know, from a standpoint uh I think the Titans general manager played this perfectly. You know, they've cut a lot of players to get money back and, you know, plug in different positions from free agency. And also you got to account for uh, drafting needs from a organization standpoint off of funds. So well, cap mathematics is something in the NFL that I don't fully understand. They like, I think they, I think Pat McAfee calls it cap voodoo or cap <laughs> magic or something like that. Cap magic, I think is what he calls it. They're able to do, just weird things, re-signing deals, cutting stuff down the corner, and, um, I mean, coming up into the draft. We're a couple of weeks out of the draft. What is it, like two weeks? April 27th. <sighs> to this month. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all got any predictions? Titans trade up. You think they trade up to Arizona? I think At that fourth up. pick. But also, I think... Titans are looking... They're looking for a quarterback. Yeah. Well, quarterback. I think that they're shopping for a quarterback. Unless they, they commit to Malik Willis, yeah, that's true. And his, you know, well, I think, to sh- I think, um, you know, we, t- me and Christian have talked about this on the back end about Will Levis. He interviewed with the Titans yesterday. Um, we have differing opinions on it. Don't Christian, get me started. Cr- Christian, Here we being, go. Christian being a Kentucky fan. Uh, is, you didn't have to out me to everybody. <laughs> yeah, I know it's proudly actually. It's I don't shameful. even care. Uh, no, Christian. You know, Will Levis, you've seen him probably more than any of us. I am not as big of a fan due, due to his 2021 or 2022 season. Uh, didn't have the best. Performed very well the year before. 
Um, so yeah, just kind of touching on that. You know, yeah. you have to, when you're looking at a prospect, you may draft as a first round talent, especially you have to look at the whole body of work and the context behind each season. So 2021, 21, he loses his offensive coordinator who goes to the NFL. Then they bring in another uh, NFL play caller and uh, actually from the 49ers. But yeah. it just didn't work out. You know, there wasn't a lot of stability. And their offensive line, you know, they lose their number one wide receiver. There's a lot of different contexts, and it varies. So I think you have to be really receptive of that when you're looking at the body of work from 2021. but That's fair. You look at the 2020 season. Yeah. You could... You could definitely get I mean, a player. He is that typical pro style quarterback that I think the Titans would like to adopt. I mean, Vrabel, I know, would with as much as Vrabel likes to run the ball. What's our thoughts on uh, Cam Newton saying that he would be a willing backup against uh, for uh, Malik? A backup for Malik? Yeah. Did you hear? Did you see that? Let's throw Cam. I mean, let's throw Cam in there. QB one. If we if we have to get rid of Tannehill and we can't figure out this quarterback thing, and who is that wide receiver from Ohio State that Titans are possibly looking at? First of all, I just want everyone to know I'm not a Tannehill hater. I think Tannehill is a great duplicate of Tony Romo. He's strong in most areas, and he can get you to the game. He's an Um, incredible manager. Yeah, until it comes down to some key moments of the game. Actually winning the ball game. I, I don't know. And, and I'm a Cowboys fan. I'll go ahead and out myself on yeah. that one. So I do like Tony Romo, too. But you also have to admit when we have problems. And the problem, it seems, for Tannehill is that he really struggles when it comes down to the crunch time of playing the hard quarters of football. I think I think it was especially he gets flustered yeah. really easily. Well, especially in this last year after losing AJ Brown, right. say losing as unfortunately the Titans wouldn't pay him what he thought he was worth. Which I honestly, if you saw this year, I think he was definitely worth every penny that maybe they were. even more. Yeah, so you know that's something that the Titans he really needs. He needs two long wide receivers going down the field, a good slant guy, and then a strong offensive line. And with all the injuries on the offensive line last year. So if he has a perfect team. I wouldn't say perfect team. I would say like some options. Really that line. If you give him that yeah. line, I think. And I'm, I'm a Tannehill fan, but let's be honest too. He is 35 years old and that contract is giant. I think it's like it's huge. $24, $26 million or something like that. I think the thing about Tannehill, we've seen what he can do. You know, it's not... Anything flashy, and I, th- I think it's time to move on. You know, I think it's time to actually get stability moving forward for a decade, even. You know, yeah. you got to make a move if it's, you know, whoever your guy is in this draft, you have to make a move to uh, just get there. You know, the Panthers even talked about trading back after they just traded for the first pick. So, you know, anything's possible in this draft, especially with that third pick with Arizona. You know, they don't have, they have needs, but, you know, they, they have. Well, here. Yeah, Arizona yeah. may need another quarterback with um, Kyler Murray tearing his what was it his Achilles. Well, they they won't draft a quarterback. No, 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 I'm saying like they might trade up. Like Tannehill might be that perfect guy to get them at yeah, least to I, where. You know what? That makes perfect sense. Actually, you know, it, the question is if they can afford it. I don't know what their cap cap but situation there, looks like. Isn't there also rumors of getting rid of Derek? No, not so much anymore. I mean, like they're obviously they're paying Derek a lot of money. I, I mean, he's, he's the face of the franchise right now. He's the face of the franchise. As long as Derek keeps trucking along like he is, I think the Titans no are more injuries. Doing that. One of the big things was being able to pay Big Jeff. And right. it wraps right back around to uh, you know being able to pay Big Jeff. They had to figure that out. And I think 
unfortunately, and I say unfortunately because I'm a Tannehill fan, I think that it's probably time to move on just with as much as he's getting paid. And the thing about Tannehill I've also thought of is he has really been a quarterback, and this this might sound bad to say, and I don't mean it to sound bad, but anybody else feel like he was never supposed to be here this long? Well, Adam Gase was his coach in Miami, so... (laughs) Right. Like, he came out of Miami to really back up Mariota... And then he had Arthur Smith, too. And then, yeah, and then he had Arthur Smith. I don't think Tannehill was ever supposed to be a long form quarterback for the Tennessee Titans, but those first few seasons that they had with him, he ended up doing very well. And, I'd say and his first season. Maybe not the first season, but going I'll into the. I'll give him credit on that, but anything past that, <laughs> just too inconsistent. Took, it, took the Tennessee Titans to an AFC championship game. For that scheme well, that they were. Their t- defense and. Rushing I'm just dollars. saying he was a, <laughs> if we're going to call the quarterback of the leader of the team, you have to you have to at least keep it consistent and say that he helped them get to the AFC championship. Great game manager. I like it. I'm excited for this uh, draft coming up. Um, you know, I think the Titans, I, w- I would be fine with them drafting a quarterback, whether it be CJ Strout, anybody but Will Levis, anybody, um, but, Will anybody Levis. but Will Levis. No, I think it's going to be a lot of fun coming up here in two weeks. Maybe we'll uh, touch back on it later and. See how that goes. Yeah. No, but this has been fun, boys. We will meet back next week uh, for John Glass, uh, Christian Brown, and Jeff Matthews. This is your week, your sports.